Hey, you're listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. And today we're going to talk about homosexuality again. Yeah, this might be a tough one to squeeze into a part two, but I think we can do it. Let's get started. Season two, episode eight. Part two, seven. Part dos. Yeah, part, yeah. You know, I, we made a weed reference and now that's like all I'm thinking about. Can I say that? <laughs> Can I just go ahead? I mean, is that, is that too far? Right. You made a joke about how the first thing God did was um, make certain plants illegal or. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fruit. Yeah, so. Plants. I, I don't know. I saw it on the internet, so it's got to be true. It was pretty right? funny. It was kind of funny, and now here we are. Um, Back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, we, we started homosexuality last week, and we're, we're going to try to make an attempt to wrap it up. And I feel like every time we have a part two or we have this two-part series or anything, it's always like, okay, it's, it's still difficult, even though we're doing two episodes of it, to you know, really decide what to focus on is because, I don't know, we could talk about, I mean, this subject could literally be an entire podcast in of itself. Well, and there's, there's seven, uh, in the, in all the scripture, you know, I mentioned last week that it wasn't until, um, you know, sort of the past generation where the word homosexuality appeared in English translations in scripture. But since it does now appear in those translations, there are seven scriptures in, there's seven uh, segments in the scripture mm-hmm. that deal with or arguably deal with this topic. So we could, I mean, we could spend the next seven podcasts. We're not going to, or, no. but we could spend the next seven podcasts, like going through each section. You know, we talked about a little bit about, uh, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19 last time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's people, um, who, who want us to sort of go, uh, through the the nitty gritty details of every one of these scriptures, and we are going to hit some more of them today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean, Roman. It's almost like you're always going to feel unsatisfied that you've been able to treat any one of these topics, and because of the way we left it last time, and and we'll probably, I assume, kind of leave it this time too, where you know you and I have different perspectives on this. Mm-hmm. It, there's always sort of, I guess, the good thing about that is it keeps the conversation going. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I I think I, I don't know, maybe I stressed it too much and made it seem like I was trying to maybe force the fact that we're still friends or whatever. But right. I, I, I don't know. I think that it's important that, you know, people realize that, yes, you can disagree on anything for the most part and still have well, how a about this? I mean, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. How about this? I mean, I disagree with myself on this subject in the sense that, you know, there are times in my life where I have had a view that was uh, less progressive than you have right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, in fact, I'm trying to go back in the in my mind to think about when I was when I was your age, when I was a young and just like you. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know that I even sort of thought the, the way you were articulating last week uh, about how um, you know, for whatever reason, you know, Christianity elevates this particular um, activity above sort of any other activity or, or almost any other activity mm-hmm. in terms of a, of a sin. And so, again, when I go back and, and I think about the past, 
um, I know that my my thoughts and and my beliefs about this have have changed over time. I do want to say this too, just while I'm thinking about going back to the past. Yeah. Um, and maybe part of this also informs sort of where I'm at on this. I can tell you that when I was a kid and when I was in school, um, you know, public, public school, private Christian school. But when I was growing up, um, you know, there were just so many instances of where this was just, it was just acceptable to be homophobic. Oh yeah. It was acceptable to act that way. It was acceptable to say things that way. And, and, and heaven forbid there was actually a person. And of course, I'm, I'm going back, you know, 25 years. But heaven forbid there was actually a person, like, like, a, like let's say a, a young woman who, you know, didn't dress traditionally like a, a young woman or, or a, a, a boy who was more effeminate. I mean, he- heaven forbid that that happened because that person would get ruthlessly um, teased and and just uh, you know just treated awfully. And I think, in a lot of ways, I am so happy that that I'm not saying that doesn't happen now because I know it still it still does happen, particularly sure. maybe geographically in certain areas of the con- country. Mm-hmm. But I know, you know, from my own kids, and and I know from even at being a little bit older and teaching, um, you know, teaching bands, teaching at high schools, that that I saw that change even within my life lifetime, and I think that's a really good thing. I think it's a really good thing that that people who are different and people of of different sexual orientations or, or people who don't fall neatly into gender stereotypes are not treated that way. And I'm saying that not, not just from a Christian perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am saying it as, as a Christian from a Christian perspective, but I right. think that is the right way to treat other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and I, I think I, well, I'm pretty sure I said last week, I, I, I listened to our episode a few days ago, so if forgive me if I don't quote myself completely <laughs> right. But I, I think I said that, you know, that there's, there's no room or there never says anywhere in the Bible for hurtful or hateful comments towards anyone. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's not, that's not a biblical concept. Right. And nor do I think it ever had, nor, nor do I think it ever will be. Right. And so, you know, people that individuals that, that decide that, Oh, I just, that I disagree with the, you know, the way that you live your life or the things that, that you enjoy, whether it be good or bad people that, that, you know, decide to treat them differently in, in ways that are negative, I, I'm, they're doing it wrong. They, right. they, they, they got something that they need to figure out. And, and hopefully, you know, those are people that we're praying for. Well, right. It, but I think, you know, we can find ourselves into perhaps some more complex situations where, I mean, I've had somebody approach me before and they told me that they were in a work setting and, um, I want to say it, uh, this person was a nurse. They were in nursing. Mm-hmm. And within the hospital, there were a group of nurses that got together and prayed, yeah. you know, before shift. And I guess one of the nurses was a male nurse and was gay. And so they led a prayer. And this person, you know, told me, well, you know, at that point, I decided not to be part of that prayer group anymore mm. because there was a gay person who led a prayer. So, I mean, that, when I say more complex, I think it's one thing 
for us to sort of say, oh, well, Pete, we should treat people equally. But then when the rubber hits the road, I think sometimes maybe the teaching that we have, like we think that um, that the way that looks, or I'll just say the way that plays itself out, all of a sudden may make us look like we're the person mm-hmm. that is all of a sudden, um, you know, we're we feel like we need to stand up for something by now excluding ourselves from from another group. Mm. I, I just remember when when somebody told me that story, I thought, huh, that's interesting. That you know, this group of, of people that are praying together, that now you've made it known that no, I, yes, I'm a Christian, but no, I will not pray with you as a group. Um, anyway, so so that I, I want to, I do want to talk about you know, cut, we we talked about the Old Testament last week. For sure, you know, it, there, there are, it's kind of interesting. You could get into, you could get lost in a rabbit hole through this stuff. I have sort of a matrix out in front of me of these passages, and, and you really could get lost. And one thing that's really interesting is that, you know, in Leviticus, there's a couple different places in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, Leviticus 18, where you have um, homosexuality, uh, uh, referenced and where, you know, that you have different experts that argue about, you know, what are they talking about here? Is this talking about this cultic prostitution or are we talking about, um, homosexuality in the way that we see it? Um, but that that's Leviticus in Deuteronomy. You have, uh, some, you know, a, a couple times in Deuteronomy, it's very clear that when they're talking about same-sex sexual activity, it's talking about these cults and these mm-hmm. prostitutes and people going to temples and, and participating in sort of like profligate sex as part of worshiping other gods. Right. Right? And and so you... you but that's not to say that there aren't people who read these scriptures and, and see... Um, Oh, okay. Well, we've got references to homosexuality. We, we've talked before about other references in the Old Testament Testament that we completely ignore, but this is one that we sort of hold on to. But I think it probably makes more sense to shift more towards the New Testament. I think last week you were going to start talking about Jesus mm-hmm. in one instance, so we can certainly talk about uh, Jesus. I know Jesus doesn't directly address homosexuality, but I think you want to talk maybe a little bit about Jesus and marriage, and then we could also talk about a couple of these other uh, passages, you know, the, in Romans, First Corinthians, um, uh, about the, the, that that people use yeah. as as sort of the the ammunition to show why homosexuality is sinful, uh, and then even to a, another level, why homosexuality, uh, you know, if, if it is a sin, why it should be elevated. Sort of among other sins. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I I did mention that I wanted to get a little bit into marriage, and you know, um, they were in Matthew 19, and I'm sure that you know when people consider the idea of, you know, when you're I don't I don't I don't necessarily know if this is one of the, you know, what was it with texts of terror? Um, but no, I don't think this is one. Of I don't the think seven. this is considered one of them. But I, I, I want to specifically look at the idea of marriage here. And um, so the Pharisees are saying, "Hey, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any or every reason?" We're talking about divorce at this point, right? Yep. But to talk about divorce means that we're 
considering marriage because you can't have one without the other, right? Sure. Um, so Jesus comes in and says, haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? He said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, God has joined together. Let no one separate. And so I guess my question, my question to you is the idea of marriage. Seemingly, Jesus is pretty straightforward about saying husband, wife, male, female. Um, that's what I receive from this section of scripture. Now yeah. I can also say that he goes on and he says later on that he's talking about the, the fact that like marriage isn't necessary. Right. Um, he, cause he, he goes down and I think it's starting in verse 11. He starts talking about eunuchs and yep. we'll um, get there. Let's yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and so I'm not, I'm not trying to state that I think marriage is necessary, but I, I do think that when we consider the idea of marriage, Jesus seems to be pretty straightforward in the concept of it being male and female. And so I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, number one is that Jesus was asked a particular question here, right? The question they came to ask Jesus is, is it lawful to divorce a wife for a cause? So the only question pending to Jesus at this moment is, should a husband be able to divorce his wife? Uh, you know, th this relates back to the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus also taught on divorce in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that we miss because of our context, you know, if heaven forbid, either of our wives decides to uh, divorce us, right. guess what, Roman? They can. You know why? Because it's legal for them to. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. Guess what? In this culture, in this society, a woman could not divorce her husband. A woman was property. So what Jesus is doing, at least in my estimation, both here and I think back in, uh, uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, is Jesus is, is standing up for women because a woman did not have the ability, she didn't have the choice to, to divorce a husband, whether she wanted to or not. And if she was divorced, in many cases, she became destitute because the husband was the way the woman had livelihood. So when you have, for instance, the woman at the well mm -hmm. in, in John chapter four, who's, when Jesus says, you know, you've had uh, you know, been divorced five times. You've had five husbands. Well, that wasn't because she was going around divorcing men over and over again. It was because she was being cast aside mm -hmm. by men. So just sort of circling back to me, that's the question that's being asked. Jesus isn't being asked. And to my knowledge in the four gospels, he never is asked is homosexuality sinful. Right. Right. But sure. in the context of his response, yes, he, he talks about the creation. He talks about creator making them male and female. And then he taught, and then he quote, both of these are quotations, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. he, he quotes, he quotes from, from Genesis chapter one. He quotes from Genesis chapter two. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I guess to me, the way that I read that is I don't, necessarily read that as Jesus laying down a, a law against homosexuality as much as what he's saying is he's saying, look, t really to the point to men, when you enter into a marriage relationship, this is something to be taken incredibly seriously. Mm -hmm. Can you just divorce your wife for any and any, ever, any and every reason? No, 
You right. can't. And the way that this got brought up in the Sermon on the Mount is, you know, they said, well, Moses allowed us to divorce our wives. And Jesus is like, that's because your your hearts were hard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you clearly, you're, you're, your heart's not in the right place in that moment. So I, I, I see what you're saying. And I, I mean, I, certainly th- there's a way to read this and to say, okay, well, this came out of Jesus's mouth right here. So this must mean that you know, only a man and a woman can be married. Um, but that's not what he was being asked. No, nobody asked him that question. So, th- you know, th- I think we can do that with scripture. Sometimes we can look and we can see what somebody says, but we're not actually looking for the problem that Jesus was actually trying to solve. Yeah. Which is why I think it's interesting that he kind of gets into the idea of, cause then his disciples are like, okay, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, is it better to just not marry? And so then, which is kind of crazy, right? Because they're like, wait a second. If you can't just get divorced whenever you want to, why get married at all? Yeah. It's kind of a ridiculous response. No, Roman. Absolutely. No, I agree. I think it's kind of crazy, but I, I think that Jesus' response is pretty interesting. He starts in verse 11. Oh, it's very interesting. He says, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. Uh, For there are eunuchs who are born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Yeah, I love this. I want to lean into this for a moment because... You know, talking about the genders, it's so interesting because Jesus just talks about male and female. He has just talked about male and female. And then what is the very next thing, next thing he does? He references this third category. Oh, Brett is writing things down, by the way. I just want you guys to know. He, the, he references this third category of eunuchs. Now, pause for a second on eunuchs. So a eunuch is... Uh, someone, a male in this society that would have had, I don't want to get too graphic, but let's just say they would have a part of their anatomy uh, removed. Oh yeah. Okay. And so the, the result of that, because men, just like women do, uh, men create both estrogen and testosterone. Okay. But what would happen is when the, when that part of your anatomy was removed as a man, you would no longer create testosterone. So guess what you're still producing? Estrogen, which is the female hormone. So if you look, you can Google it right now, and you can Google to look look mm-hmm. up eunuchs. Yeah. If you look at them, and, and, and they still have them in the Middle East, and, and they did this for a host of different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted them to feel safe about them being around women, um, and it, you know, the, like the king's women. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of reasons, but... What's interesting is that what happens to uh, a male when they become a eunuch is that they their voice goes up. Their their voice their voice doesn't change. Like if it happens at a young age, their voice never changes. Their okay. voice stays high like a woman. Yeah. They start to develop um, breasts. They they just they have no testosterone. They start if you if you look like I say if you Google this not the not the biological part, but if you Google, you know, pictures of eunuchs, you'll see that a lot of times they sort of, they look like women. They will take on features of women. They, they don't have a beard. Like you and I have these very strong manly beards. They don't have beards or facial hair. that grow Very up. manly beards. So it's just interesting to me. So Jesus points out sort of this transitional liminal character. And then to go to double back and confirm what you said, he said, well, okay, We've got eunuchs. Some are born that way. Mm-hmm. 
Some are made that way by others. That's sort of the thing we're most familiar with, where they would do this to people. Mm -hmm. But then there are those who choose to live like eunuchs. So it's like they're not maybe biologically a eunuch, but they choose to live that way. So what do you get from the fact that he points out sort of this other... I mean, I'm not going to say it's a go so far as to say it's a third gender, but it's definitely kind of like a, not a man, not a woman, not somebody who's getting married. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I look at it as, as the idea of, um, try to find the best way to word this. So a eunuch is someone who doesn't have not fully intact, right? Yeah. Not fully intact. The ability to reproduce sexually. Yeah. Correct. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, one of the ways that I have looked at this before is the idea that maybe someone who would choose to live like that is maybe that's something that they, because it, it follows it up by saying for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Yes. yes so for me, that means that maybe they had, you know, sort of like I think about, you know, Paul's thorn in the flesh, right? Yeah. Maybe one of, one of, they had a very strong desire for something sexual. Now, and I'm not, I'm not even necessarily, obviously we're talking about homosexuality and, right. and, Yes, do I think that it could potentially the way that I view homosexuality is a sin? But they I just think, choose to be celibate, maybe. right? Exactly, and so I'm not saying that it is specifically homosexuality, but I think that like even the idea of just being sexually, you know, immoral in general, right? right? And so to keep away from that sexual immorality, they choose to, to be, live like a eunuch, correct? Right. And that's that's sort of that's that's the way that that I look at it. I'm not trying to use that as a well. This is why you know homosexuality is a sin because I don't necessarily think that like yeah. you can you can. It would be a a stretch, a a very significant yeah. stretch to take that from that scripture. Well, what about those other categories though? The ones that are born that way and the ones that are made eunuchs by others. Um, well, that means they don't, they don't really have a choice at that point, right? I mean, if you were made that way by somebody else. Or born that way. Or, yeah, but we'll, we'll start with made that way by somebody else. Probably, one, it was a form of punishment back in the day. Um, yeah. And so that was on them, right? Well, a lot of people think that Daniel was right. was made a eunuch and, and his friends. Yeah, absolutely. And, so, uh, and then the idea of being born that way, I mean, let's not, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure that I'm not saying that it well definitely does still happen, like you said, that things happen, right? You were people right. are born with with issues, medical conditions that right. it's just not it's with not it's, sexual it's a dysfunction thing. and right, absolutely. Like that. And yeah. so you know, you could look at it that way as like, okay, this is this is how it is. Well, I guess my point is that, you know, I understand that maybe one way to sort of run to the scripture is say, hey, God made a male and female, but Jesus almost <laughs> contradicts himself. I don't think he's actually contradicting himself, but I'm not sure it necessarily means that because immediately um, Jesus kind of references this other category of people that don't neatly right. fall into male and female and, to your point, may not, may not get married. Um, so I, I wanted to bring up one other eunuch passage because I do think that for, for those out there who are looking for passages in Scripture that are LGBT affirming, you know, Matthew 19 is one, but the other is is Acts chapter 8, another passage dealing with the eunuch. That's the Ethiopian eunuch. Wait, can I ask a question? Oh, yeah, go ahead. LGBT is affirmed in Matthew 19? Can yeah. You, can you tell me where? Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are those, I, I understand uh, the, the scripture that we were just reading. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, right. the, the, yeah, to, yeah Matthew, nine, sure. Matthew okay. 19, 11, and 12. So that's, I mean, I understand you don't read it that way, but my point is that there, there are those who read the scripture and would view this Jesus 
uh, reference to this, at least of that time, this quasi third gender as LGBT affirming because Jesus is saying, Hey, look, there's sexuality is complicated. There are some who are born different. There are some who are made different by people. There are some who choose to be different. And you know what Jesus even acknowledges after that? This is a hard teaching. Those who can accept this teaching should accept it. Okay, mm-hmm. so th- that I'm just giving a perspective, not necessarily, you know, saying that you have to agree oh, with no, it. I was just trying to, f- I just wanted to make sure that yeah, I was that's, on the same that's what it is. And so, but, but tying in with that Acts chapter eight, you know, the, if you go back to the Old Testament, again, we're doing a lot of jumping from Old Testament to New Testament. But if you go back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 23, uh, chapter 23, verse one says, nobody who has been emasculated, no, no eunuchs by uh, if you've been emasculated by crushing or cutting, they cannot enter the assembly of the Lord. So mm-hmm. it is against the law, the law of Moses, for eunuchs to approach the the assembly, oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. temple. Yeah. So in Acts chapter 8, you have Philip, the scene, we, we can't sort of go through it in detail, but I think one of the important things here is that we know that this person is a eunuch. They, they make a point in the scripture to say this was a eunuch. And this eunuch had just returned from Jerusalem and was worshiping. And if this was a good, you know, Jewish convert or, 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 um, or uh, you know, Jewish acolyte, then he would have known that he could not approach the temple. He had to stay out away, you know, following mm-hmm. the, the rules from Deuteronomy. But what's interesting is when, when Philip comes up to teach him, um, the eunuch asks this question. The eunuch says, you know, is there anything that would keep me from being baptized? And at that moment, you know, what Philip could have said is he could have said, well, yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse one, but he doesn't. Instead, he immediately takes the Ethiopian eunuch down and baptizes, which is interesting because, you know, that I think for, for many Christian sects, that becomes like this proof text for baptism, but I think maybe a larger point that's missed, or at least a point that's that's similarly important, is that this is the first non-Jewish. He's Ethiopian, yeah. So not not culturally, right. ethnically Jewish. Mm-hmm. This is the first non-Jewish convert to Christianity that we have recorded in Scripture, and this person is someone who under the old law would not even have been permitted to worship. Mm-hmm. So um, who had to stay away from the assembly. So I think th- this is another passage that understanding that people can read and interpret passages differently, but this is another passage which I think you know potentially affirms people who are outside of, of the normal uh, constructs uh, gender constructs, sexuality constructs, um, and uh, it, by using, because here's the thing, you did not have, in this day and time, there were not gay marriages. No. No, there were not. Right? It is. Yeah. It was not our society. So when you go to some of these other scriptures, like if you if you go to, to Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, if you go to 1 Corinthians 6 through 9, when they're using these terms to talk about homosexuality, they are almost exclusively or exclusively using terms that are talking about a situation where there is a, an extreme power differential, where you have some master who's having sex with a, 
a slave with a, you know, so a male master having sex with a slave or with a prostitute where there, there's this power differential between the two. Mm-hmm. This, what you would not have had in the first century at all is you would not have had committed homosexual relationships like you see in 21st century America. That's, I just want to make sure we, we decouple those two contexts because they're just two different things. Well, yeah, culture, the culture of then and the culture of now are very different. Completely. Very, 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 very different. So Paul would not, in other words, Paul would not have had the opportunity to address what, you know, whether it is right or wrong for two equal equals, not, not master slave, not wealthy person, you know, male shrine prostitute. Mm-hmm. Paul would not have had the opportunity to address a situation where two people who are equals in society who happen to be the same sex decide to have a monogamous relationship with each other, whatever you want to call it. Right. So when I think about 1 Corinthians 6, um, he, at this point, he's just talking to believers, right? Right. And... I mean, what what he talks about this is this is one of those texts of terror. First um, Corinthians six, I think. Um, I mean, you could start in I don't know verse seven, I guess, or you could yeah, start six, in verse. Yeah, seven, I mean, eight, you, nine. yeah. Um, and so I'm going to start in. Um, I'll start in seven. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, and I'm going to get to that here in a second, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I'm also going to come back to that because that's also important, I think, in my opinion. But, you know... One of the things, so in, in doing research, and, and, and I think that when you're studying for anything that, you know, at any point, you know, might be questioned, which as a Christian, almost everything can be questioned and will be questioned at some point or another, right? And that's, and that's, oh, that's fair and that's okay. And so I think that, you know, when, not, when I'm studying for this stuff, I intentionally look at, you know, what you know, I think that the, the counter argument to what I might have to say would be. Sure. And so starting in verse nine, um, he said, do you not know the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. Now there's a Greek, there's a, it's a Greek compound word. It's called, and I'm going to totally botch, uh, I'm totally going to botch this because I don't speak Greek and I'm sorry to all of those who listen that do actually, if there, we have somebody here that listens, that speaks Greek please give me a call because I have a lot of questions. Um, but the word that is used there is like, I think it's um, our, our seno koitai or something, koitai or something, something very similar to that. All right. Yep. So I'm sorry that I butchered that, but essentially it's a compound word. Um, our seno is men and then the, the kodai or whatever is bed or mat or something. And so you put those together in that, context it would be like a euphemism that we use today for 
men being with another man, a, a male bed, so a man sharing his bed with another man. Right. Doesn't it also connote like an effeminate? Because there's two words that are there. There's the first and the mm-hmm. second. The way I think the NIV renders it is as homosexual between, um, but like in the New English translation, you know, that pick these words apart, they actually distinguish between... Well, they the, pick the, the words apart in the NIV too. Let's not, I don't want to say that they don't do that in the NIV. Well, I just mean in the, like in the, in the New English translation, they actually break it up and say passive homosexual partners and then, and then sort of the active homosexual partners. Sure. They, when I mean break it up, they break it up into two different mm, okay, categories. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know you see what, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just no. in that particular list, they break it into two categories. Mm-hmm. Like they don't refer to just, oh, it's the homosexuals. They actually break it up to where there's that, that t- term. I'm not going to try to say it, but oh, it's yeah. like that is the, we're going to get real graphic here, but that is like the, the effeminate mm-hmm. homosexual yeah. Um, who's the receiver of the homosexual activity. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then there's the active uh, part. But th- I, that was the point that I was trying to make earlier is that what this would have meant in this culture, not, not in our culture, but in this culture, what this would have meant is that typically the active, um, m- more male partner of the, the homosexual would be the one that had the power. And so that other person would be that the effeminate, the one that's listed first would be the slave, would be the boy. So it's either talking about, you know, not, maybe something bordering on pedophilia, the slave or the shrine prostitute. It was always the person who had power in the relationship. Who uh, that, That's my point about what Paul was talking about was not about two equal uh, people who are both willingly entering into a relationship that was not the cultural context. And I for think, him. and I think that that might be one of one of the where I would I think when I interpret this I think I disagree because I, I mean at this point he's just giving a list of things that are wrong. Yeah, and he's not calling out anyone in particular other than when he talks about the idea of a a passive or an, a passively homosexual or actively homosexual, and um, I, I think at that point, I, th- I mean, a part of Greek culture was, I mean, homosexuality in right. that time. It, but my my point, and, and again, so this is something you know we won't be able to resolve today. But if you if you research that time, what did not typically happen in that culture is you didn't have, let's say, a man in the ruling class who was 45 years old, you know, be decide to enter into a committed relationship with another man in the ruling class who was also 45 years old. They were both in the same economic strata. What instead happened in that society is that men who had power and who were in the ruling class would take on uh, this role where they would take on, I mean, we could call sex slaves, homosexual sex slaves. So I guess my point here is that I'm not sure that the homosexuality part, the the fact that it happens to be homosexual activity is actually what Paul is trying to get at. He may have been. He may have been trying to say because honestly this this passage is is not sort of the most difficult passage to deal with. 1 Corinthians 26:27 is the is probably a more difficult passage to deal with. Mm-hmm. So um, it may be that Paul meant that. I guess what I'm saying is 
I'm not sure that it's necessarily the case that that's what Paul meant because as, as we just acknowledged, we were in completely different cultural contexts than in now. Right. And so, and then one of the things that I think he says that I, which I said, I wanted to, I wanted to come yeah, back, go back to, to is yeah. the sort of the end of that section um, where he says, Oh man, I lost my place in my phone. This is why I normally oh, but use a some of you Bible. were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, when he says some of you once lived this way. Yeah, that part. yeah. the The idea that like, and and this is getting into something that that may and potentially could hurt some feelings, but the idea that there should be change and that you know when you you know, you're, you're dedicating your life to Christ. That would be something that you decide not to do. Yeah. And again, I'll go back to, you know, I'm not going to be able to quote myself either, but I would just say, you know, for you and I as heterosexual cisgender males, it's much easier for us because we don't have to repent of what is our natural inclination, which is to be attracted to an opposite sex person. And indeed we're both married. I just think it's different for someone to say that and to make that judgment to someone else who is not, does not have that same sexual orientation. It is mm-hmm. a difficult judgment to make. It's, I mean, I could say that. I could very easily say that because what? Guess what? No skin off my nose doesn't hurt me. Like I, I can tell someone else to sacrifice being with someone that they're, uh, attracted naturally attracted to it's easy for me to say that because it's not me right but for them that's their life that's that's love for well, them and then you know and, and so for me that's when I think about when I go back to what Jesus was saying with the idea of you know that choose to live like the eunuchs did where you could say okay that was a choice that they made for the sake of the kingdom yeah you know and I'm not Jesus didn't say there was an easy choice and I'm not saying it's any, it's easy right. by any means. Right. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons why I think, you know, this whole Christianity thing is done better when you can be with people that, you know, that can support and be supportive and, and, yeah. and, and love. And, and, and a part of that love sometimes is holding each other accountable or also at the same time, there is, there is tough love, right? There is, you know, you're. I mean, and I can even go into things that, and I'm not, and I'm not going to, but like I, you know, everyone struggles with something and, 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 you know, the way that, the way that, and this is just, this is my opinion and, and I'm not, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying, you know, good luck, get your stuff together to someone who struggles with same sex attraction. Um, what I'm saying is that, you know, I'm, I'm here for you and that, you know, I also have things that I struggle with that I need you to be here for me as well. Right, but the things that you struggle with don't keep you from going home to being with your wife. But they right? keep me from the kingdom of heaven as well, but which is th- more important, right? Uh, the, that the kingdom of heaven, well, that the kingdom of heaven, you know, what, what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is God's rule here on earth, right? The kingdom of heaven is now and, and, and to come. The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is among you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. So it's all about how we are living right now, um, but it's also about the life to come. So I guess what I'm saying is I feel like I would have a lot more uh, legitimacy and um, uh, to, to tell somebody to live as a eunuch 
if I myself was living as a eunuch, but I'm not. I'm living as somebody who's married, somebody who is with someone else who they love, someone who can, who can have a physical, intimate connection with someone else who they love and who they are naturally attracted to, all right? So I am living that life. Now, for me to tell somebody else that they cannot do that, I'm not sure I have the authority. I understand what we're doing, you know, what Christians are doing, we're now invoking the scripture as the authority to tell somebody that they can't be with someone else that they love. I'm simply pointing out, I think in this podcast, there are some different ways to look at scripture. The, oh, yeah. the, the scripture that we, when we did the podcast on women's roles, two, that was another part two, part one, part two, on uh, women, women's roles in Christianity, Galatians 3.28 um, there is, you know, this is also Paul, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul seems to be saying that when it comes down to it, speaking of the kingdom of heaven, that our identity really, gender doesn't matter. And so if gender doesn't matter, I'm not exactly sure how sexuality, like if there is no male or female, there I don't understand how sexuality fits into our identity in Christ either. I mean, I, I understand Paul didn't put in there, you know, there is neither heterosexual nor homosexual, but I think that is a logical extension in that verse. I understand maybe, maybe even most people listening will not agree with me. Um, but I do think that that is an important verse that deals with equality and certainly something if you're, if you're looking out there for a lifeline and looking for su- a, a verse um, that is affirming, there's one. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, he's, he's talking here about the idea of, you know, the children of God, right? We're all, we're all children of God. And, and, and that's a very... I mean, hopefully, and it should be something that is encouraging, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and I'm sure that there are also people listening that disagree with what I am saying. And, and, and it may be more lopsided one way or the other, but it's okay. It's okay. And, and, and so it may be easier for me to say these things, I guess. I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm saying this because I actually believe it, not because no, no, I want I, people and to. And I know you are, and I don't, I don't distrust your, your beliefs at all. I know that this is where you are. And like I said, I think where you are is likely at a, uh, at a different place than I was at, even at the same time I was your age. Right. In, in terms of, of your willingness, I think, to reassess these scriptures. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I'm, and, and I, I want to make it known that, yes, Yes, I believe these things, and that mean, but that by no means means that I'm not willing to study and look at different angles and look at different. I mean, I'm, we're doing it right now. Well, right? And let me make my, my my similar confession is that this is something you know. This is you. You might be surprised to to hear that this is not the first time I've thought about this. No way. <laughs> no way. This is something that has been top of mind for me for at least 15 years mm-hmm. um, because I'll tell you why because I care about the kingdom of heaven yeah. I care about Christianity um, as a whole I care about those who follow the way and it has driven me a little crazy because I when when I've seen different uh, surveys, and this is something I think we just know common 
you know, common sense, the, one of the number one things, one of the top things, if not the top thing that people outside of the church would say about Christians is that they're homophobic. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, I right? could see that. It's right at the top of the list. They might say judgmental. They might say other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about on the, on the negative side. And I have mightily struggled with that and have really struggled with, you know, why, why is this the case? I, I'll tell you what. I, I could absolutely be wrong with where I am. So let me just double down with where you are, what you have stated in the podcast before and what you've stated now, which is this. We have absolutely no basis in Scripture to treat uh, people who identify um, as homosexual, LGBT, uh, transgender. We have no reason to treat them as anything other than fellow image bearers of God. There is nothing in scripture that tells us we can treat them as anything other than people who bear the image of God, just as we do. There is nothing there. God does not love those people any less than God loves us. Absolutely not. God does not, or to say it the other way, God does not love us any more than, than those people. God doesn't love married people any more than unmarried people. God doesn't love people who, procreate with children mm-hmm. any more than those who don't. Yeah. I mean, th- th- these categories and these distinctions that we make up, we sort of come up in our minds with what does the perfect follower of God or Christian or Jesus follower look like? They look like whatever they look like. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it's someone who sacrifices themselves, right? Fully. Someone who loves God and, you know, Jesus, the way he boiled it all down is loves God with all their heart, mind, soul, Mm -hmm. strength, and who loves their neighbor as much as they love themselves. And I think, you know, as I guess as we wrap up, I'll let you get the last word. But for me, it's that second part of that command Mm -hmm. that really got to me on this subject. It's that, you know, I'm always trying to not trying and failing, but, you know, because it's kind of esoteric. What does it mean to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? That's tough. Maybe mm-hmm. we should do a podcast on that, right. right? What does that look like? But loving your neighbor as yourself, to me, it's like how, if this was me, if this was my child, if this was my neighbor, if this was my parent, if this was my brother, if this was my sister, how would I want to be loved? How would I want to be treated? That has really been a guiding principle for me. Um, and for Jesus, he says that's that's a guiding principle. So that is what has guided me. Yes, I understand there are scriptures um, that might turn you in a different direction. Uh, I do believe that whether we admit it or not, we emphasize certain scriptures and we de-emphasize certain scriptures. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've tried to list some of the ones today that that to me have special emphasis. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, on, on top of the idea of like loving God and then loving your neighbor as yourself. Right. Um, for the longest time, it's, it's like, it's been that tier. It's been like God and then like others and myself on like the same line. Yeah. And then, you know, you really read Philippians two. And like, I've, I've, I've said this probably too many times in the podcast already, but like it says, you know, in your humility, you know, elevate others above yourself. Consider others because that's what Christ did. Exactly. And so then, you know, that tier becomes God, others, and then I'm, and then I'm under those people. Not that like they're better than I am and not that we're not, we're not equal in God's eyes, but like in the way that I deal with people and the way that I handle my relationships, if you lift up the person next to you, 
more than you, you know, yourself, then in turn, if they're doing the right things, they should be lifting you up higher than themselves. And so then it, you know, it, it equals yeah. out. Right. But that's how we should be, you know, going about all of our relationships, whether or not we agree or disagree with what we think scripture says, or wh- whether we agree or disagree with the way that someone lives their life or who they decide to love. Right. I need to go into that relationship with love. Yes. And, and, and hopefully that because they probably can tell if that's not real. Absolutely. Pe- people can tell. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, and I, and I also want to say that, yeah, just because Brad and I disagree or that, you know, I may even consider someone who, you know, or may consider not someone, but, but like that, the, the homosexual lifestyle is sin. That doesn't mean that I don't have a relationship with them or I don't try to love them you know, in a godly way or as much as I possibly can. Right. That, and, and I think that that also can become very obvious and you can be very fake in that and you can be very genuine in that love. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I'm always going out of my way to saying, Hey, you should stop being a homosexual now. Oh wow. Hey, stop being a homosexual now. Oh, Hey, it's tomorrow. And you're still not, not being a homosexual. Fix yourself. That's not, I'm not, I'm not, that's not how I go about doing any of those things. Right. You know, um, it is better to love in action and in truth than by your words, right? I mean, I kind of maybe, I didn't say it's better, but like you should love in action and in truth. Yeah. And so the way that I can handle myself around them is going to be a, a, a going to make more sense and I think going to be a, a bigger influence um, on anyone's life, whether they are someone I go to church with, whether it's my neighbor, whether it's a heterosexual or it's a homosexual. Yeah. Be a Christian. Yes. Be like Jesus. On on my side of the fence, um, I'm conducting next Saturday. I'm conducting a wedding for a couple of friends, and um, they happen to be male and female. Hmm. But um, uh, so um, I, I don't I don't believe I don't expect anyone to raise scriptural objections <laughs> um, to that wedding. But I have thought about well, what if what if to uh, what if two people the same gender asked me to marry them? Because I've conduct this will be the second wedding I've conducted. I'm not ordained, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I can. I the, the the Commonwealth of Virginia allows me to conduct marriage ceremonies. Yeah. Um, and I got to tell you, based on where I am right now, and based on sort of the things we've talked about in my studies, I would conduct a wedding between two people who loved each other and were willing to commit to each other. Uh, for their lifetime and I wouldn't have an issue with it. And that's not something I would have said at other points in my life, but that's something I'll say now. And you being uh, ordained and a minister, um, the fact that I, I'm presuming that you wouldn't do that, which is okay, which is okay. Thank you. So you got, if you're listening within the sound of my voice, you, you just come to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> It's not true. Not true. Okay. Well, hey, we're wrapping up. Um, want to talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about next week, and that is the idea of sin. Yeah, because we've kind of delved into it a little bit, and sin has been hot lately. My wife and I have been talking a lot about, there's something about that word that just kind of maybe makes you squirm a little bit. It makes me squirm a little mm-hmm. bit. Oh, yeah. And, so, and there, there's a lot of things that I think uh, will, will can come from that too, so... I'm looking forward to delving into that. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. You know, we're going to talk about different levels. We're going to talk about um, how sinful I am and the things that I do. And 
We're really going to focus on that, actually. 100%. The focus is going to be uh, Roman's sinfulness, how far he, he misses the mark. Yeah, I'm, that's going to be the title <laughs> of the next episode, Roman Sin. Um, okay. Well, anyway, hey, thank you guys so much for being with us. Really enjoyed the conversation. Glad to have Brad as a friend and a fellow brother in Christ. Um, uh, thanks for being with us, and we hope you have a blessed day. <laughs>